Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. As usual, I'm James Rushton, joined by Danny Raza. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. Thanks for asking. It's uh, it's actually a pretty mild, mild uh, evening in Manchester today. As we speak, Chelsea are uh, getting thrashed four 0 by by Manchester City at halftime. So I don't really know if I want to if I want to venture out into Manchester later today. Um, but uh, wow, what a game uh, for Villa earlier this week. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Chelsea will replicate what Villa managed to do. Uh, 3-0 down, James. Crazy, man. Um, so Villa played Sheffield United on Friday night on Sky Sports. It was a mixed game, to say the least. I think that's mm. probably the best way of describing it. Um, a lot of people hammering Villa, I think rightly so. But 3-3, free, free, mate. Um, Villa's goals, all three of them coming in within the last 10 minutes of the game after being 3-0 down for 82 minutes they were hammered um not that they were particularly bad but they made mistakes and Sheffield United really forced the game on Villa um a lot has been said what is your kind of summary of summary yeah god I mean it was 80 minutes it was awful sorry let I think I think let me let me pass a judgment that I'm allowed to pass for 70 minutes it was awful at least (laughs) why uh, why are we stopping at 70 minutes because I was watching the game alone in a in a pub up in Manchester, uh, an unnamed pub, uh, and I uh, <laughs> was just watching us get thrashed. Uh, funnily enough, I was the only Villa fan there. I was hearing Rita Aurora and the Backstreet Boys being blasted off all around me, and it almost felt like it was uh, some sort of bad dream that I was going through. <laughs> uh, people in their white shirts and their and they're going out dresses. You know, it's 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 an evening game. It's eight or nine o'clock. Um, and it gets to 70 minutes and we're 3-0 down. And I just think, you know what? There's really no point in staying here, is there? I'm just going to no. get up. As soon as I heard the Backstreet Boys come on, I was I was out. I was out of there. I was out of there. I did not want to endure it any longer. Uh, but for those 70 minutes, what I will say is it didn't look like Villa were uh, making any sort of attempt to score. It's not to say they didn't try. It just looked like our attack was totally flat. I saw Alan Hutton try and curl one in from 30 yards out on his left peg. Uh, immediately, my thought was, you are the Scottish Cafu. You're not Roberto Carlos. Uh, and, it was, and it was those sorts of uh, those sorts of chances Villa almost attempted to replicate all throughout the game. Yeah, it was a, it was a mad one. And I, look, I'll say, mate, you're justified for leaving. You're in a bar. You're watching the game on your own. There's no Villa fans. You're listening. There's music being blasted. It's late. It's getting late as well. At 70 minutes, it must be pushing nine past nine there. I think you're completely justified in leaving leaving that pub because it sounds <laughs> to me, it sounds to me like one of the, the dream sequences from The Sopranos or Twin Peaks. It's like an awful dream sequence. Um, but it, it, it did. It was a nightmare and it did turn out to be a bit less of a nightmare by the end of the match. Uh, if you left the game, you'd have missed probably... The, an all-time Villa comeback, um, 3-3. First goal, Tyron, Tyron Mings comes up with a big header and sc- scores. The second one, um, Tommy, it's a set-piece routine. Alfred hits it and the keeper palms it away into the path of Abraham. Perfect stuff. The third one, Andre Green comes up big with a header after John, after John McGinn's stolen the ball in the box and crossed in. So Villa really, really did well. Um, I don't think we can take that away from them. A lot of people saying they left it too late, but man, that's football, isn't it? Hometown hero Andre Green, hometown hero. Yes. It was, it was, it was nice to see, especially a player who's just been recalled from loan, 
because of his performances and because uh, it, it's it's something that could excite the fans. He almost did something that we might expect from from Jack Grealish, that sort of passion to stay in there late on. And you have to say about Andre Green, that, that header in particular, he's tall, man. For a winger, he's tall. Uh, so it was it was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to see him uh, bang one, and you almost uh, you almost wondered where that spark was for the rest of the game. But as you say, mate, three goals in the last ten minutes. I've seen them all, and you know, you know what? Sheffield United probably could have done a lot better, but it's it's good to see that we actually managed to create those chances so late on. Because, well, you know, if you wanna if you wanna get anywhere in the championship, you you, you can't be down and out uh, until the final minute. No. Um, and Villa proved that, you know, last kick, almost last kick of the game, and they've come back into a game, which they had no right to come in, even at 3-1 or 3-2. It was still always going to be a big ass to score one, let alone two, let alone three goals. And look, a lot of criticism goes towards Villa and how they didn't play, how they played or didn't play. But Sheffield United, that performed, in my eyes, that 10-minute spell from them was worse than anything Villa put out. Anything. To score three, to concede three, over 80 minutes is one thing. To concede three in 10 minutes is another. Yeah, no, conceding three in 10 minutes is awful. The thing with that is, I don't, they folded so badly after Tyrone Mings scored that header. They completely collapsed. Any instruction, any tactical instruction went out the window and Villa have picked up a lot of flack for the performance up to that point. But if I was a Sheffield United fan, you, you don't lose a game. You, no, you don't lose the lead. When you're three nil up, that there was nerves. That there was nerves. Sheffield United are, I think, they they, they would have gone top of the table with that win, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I I think it probably got to them at that point. They were three nil up against the big side. You know, let's 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 you know cut it right. Let's be let's be real here. Villa is always a scalp. For any, I mean, no, no matter how many seasons we have to finish, like mid-table or whatever in the championship. I know we finished third last season, but like we're, we're very, very much mid-table this season. We're always a scalp. Villa are always a scalp. And I think it, it got to Sheffield United at that point thinking, we don't know how to see things out at this stage. You know, it's it's almost them being at the top of the table and thinking, right, what do we what do we do now? And they looked confused. Uh and Villa, I mean, how could you not be? Especially if Villa, Villa have been so sort of, you know, the the total opposite of, of being poignant. Like, they, they just weren't there all game. And then to suddenly be, be sparking some sort of an attack on Sheffield United, it just had them against the ropes somehow. And I don't know how. It was like Tyson Fury in the 12th round. I, I don't know how Villa managed to salvage that. It's It's a really, it's a really odd one. It's a really odd one because it's not like Villa dramatically improved. They'd been doing the same things all game. They'd just got a bit more tempo. And I think a big reason for that is Glenn Whelan coming on because he was playing first-time passes. Don't get me wrong, he was still playing the long ball, like Mille Edenak. But he was able to kind of support the attack, create overloads, and pass the ball a lot quicker. It's like he had it envisioned in his head where he wanted it to go. And uh, Glenn Whelan, fantastic coming on doing that. Um, it's just disappointing that I know it, it, letting those three goals in, and it comes back to the criticism. It goes full, it goes in a full circle like that. But I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm really struggling to sum it up because how can you criticize the team for coming back like that? Oh, I mean, can you? They salvaged it, but they shouldn't have left it that late. We should never have been three 0 down. 
it, sh- it should never have been. You know, and and look, as much as this is a three goal comeback, as much as that is what it is, right? And and it should be celebrated. It's another draw. It's another draw, and Villa should be. And you know, we can say this as many times as we want with that attack. Villa should be winning games. I don't care if it's Sheffield United. You know, even if it is teams near the top of the table, we need to be threatening to win that game. The fact of the matter is, there was no point during that game where Sheffield United thought, you know what, we might lose this. At no point. Mm -hmm. So let's just flip it on the head just a moment. It is totally irresponsible for a side who recently have been 3-0 down to Swansea, been 3-0 down to Wigan, to then come to that same point against another championship side. Because yeah. that that that's something that should have been ironed out by now. I think Villa have got some squad struggles, don't they? It's uh, what squad struggles? What what squad struggles? I think it's completely unbalanced in a ways that we can't necessarily see. I think mm. we have a problem at defensive midfield. That is a massive issue, a huge issue for us. Um, we we are completely based around Jack Grealish, a hundred percent based around. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's a question that Dean Smith probably hasn't had the time to get to grips with the squad he wants because that's the first time he's seen Miller and start. <laughs> no, in all his time, that's the first time he's seen that man start. So there's still players who haven't really impressed on it. Codger's another one. There's players that played for D- Steve Bruce and aren't playing anymore. They aren't impressing. Jonathan Codger's a massive one, actually. Look at the output he had. And now there's nothing. There's absolutely... I mean, even even up front, Jonathan Codger has is one of those players who the ball sort of sticks to his feet, and when he's greedy, he can sometimes he can sometimes come off, and he, and he, and he can go on he can go on long spells playing well, but that he's, he's he's nowhere near sort of uh, generous enough, almost, or he's, he's he hasn't got the sort of crossing ability or the assist creating ability from the wing. I don't think to be a top championship winger, um, mm-hmm. he's, he's he's better off up front, which begs the question. You know, who who's going to be playing on that left wing for us? Is it going to be Jonathan Codger? And if it is Jonathan Codger, who's our backup striker? I mean, it's all, they're all questions, I guess. Like, we, we, we probably should have ironed things out a little bit better in January. And we've all seen that we play better with, you know, a, a player in behind the striker who, who has been Jack Grealish. But if we play better like that, and we, and, and, and we play better with the number, number 10 in the system, why are we overloaded in defensive midfield and underloaded, if that's the word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> under, Overrun, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Under, uh, yeah, or undersubscribed in, in, in that number 10 position, in that attacking midfield position, where Villa looked brutal under Smith when he first came in. Well, Villa look, lack right now, they lack anyone convincing at defensive midfield and in attacking midfield. Just a big problem because you've got kind of a midfield made out of the three similar type of players in Conor Hurahan and John McGinn. And back in the day, Glenn Whelan was in that position. Now he's he's moved further back to be the defensive midfielder. But you've got three kind of players who share that same DNA spread across the midfield and it's causing a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, it's causing tempted, a lot of problems. I'd be tempted to maybe, you know, bring in Tom Carroll, play him in, in alongside one of Hurahan and, 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 and McGinn or, or, or Whelan if you, if you really wanted to. Um, 
and maybe put Conor Hurahan or Jonathan McGinn, Jonathan McGinn or John McGinn behind the striker. I mean, maybe it would bring out a different John McGinn. I know we like to see him as a box-to-box midfielder, but perhaps, you know, when we're when we're so sort of when we're when we're, when we're not doing so well in attack, and and it's clear that that John that that Tammy Abraham needs somebody to bounce off. We should probably be trying somebody like Hurahan and McGinn out in that number ten position because they could play there. They've they, they've done well there before. Hurahan's Hurahan's able to score goals and and, and create assists. You know, I, I think uh, I think maybe that would be an experiment worth trying. So the Sheffield United game. Um, I know we pressed for time today, so I'm going to wrap it up and I'm going to ask for your match ball. I need the your man of the match or the man who pressed you the most. Anything? Mm-hmm. Who stood out for you? Oh gosh, I mean, tell you what, uh, Tyrone Mings' uh, header was good, but I can't give it to any of the defenders. I don't think. Um, I think it has to be Andre Green just for that, just for that last minute equaliser. Um, I got to give it to him. I think I'm going to go for Glenn Whelan because he oh, really? was able to, yeah, able to change the tempo when he came on, mm-hmm. and I think um, he gave a little bit more than Mila Yedinak, and it was pretty much a catalyst for us coming back into the game was his, his mobility. And that, that sounds incredibly surprising, but it was a lot more mobile yeah, sure. than Yedinak, uh, able to play the ball first time, one-touch football. And it's when Villa play with Glenn Whelan and Glenn Whelan is playing well, they actually look like the type of team that wants to take on Dean Smith's ideas. Mm-hmm. When they don't, they look like that Steve Bruce team. Sure. I think there's a massive sure. difference between Whelan playing and Whelan being on form and us having Yedinaki probably isn't actually fit at all. Uh, we've got to come together for one. I think I think Tyrone Mings will be a good shout, but what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't blame bad defending on him. I also I don't think really think it was that bad defending, though. It was more so Villa giving the ball away in midfield and just getting... You can't stop I'm, that. The second goal shouldn't have been allowed, probably. Yeah, that's bollocks. That's not enough, though, is it? No. Um, because because if if we're, if we're being honest, that second goal head, was kicked through his fucking hands, weren't it? It was, and Kalinic's head could have been could have been, you know, basically could have been hurt, you know, if, yeah. if it was an inch off. Um, Are we talking about stamps on heads again? For the second. No, let's week, not let's right? not go into it again. Let's <laughs> not. But but like, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was dangerous. It was dangerous for Billy Sharp. But I guess I guess if you're a if you're a Sheffield United fan, you probably view it a little bit differently. Um. What about Tommy Abraham for being there? You know, for that second goal. Or Anwar Ogazi for the for the cross. Yeah, but the thing with Tammy Abraham, and I'm not gonna dig him out on this, but Villa's first, Villa's the first Sheffield United goal that Villa conceded. He blocked it off the line when he was in the net. <laughs> yeah, he did. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, why are you going to defend that? Why are you going to defend the ball in the back of the net? It, when you touch it, it's already a goal. So there's a bit of me that doesn't want to give it to Tammy. All right, let's give it to Mingzi for 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 basically the header that brought Villa back into it. He led by example as well. And I think it's not just Glenn Whelan coming on because you still had you know, nine or so of the same players, eight of the same players on that pitch yeah. who had been on the pitch conceding three goals. And I think... A lot has been taken away from their effort. They they improved and stepped up to the plate when they needed to. And I think Alfie and Mings did that a lot. McGinn and Hurahan just were different, completely different players when Whelan was on the pitch. McGinn especially. McGinn and Hurahan both especially, actually. Because they were misplaced. A lot has been made of Conor Hurahan misplacing passes. But McGinn was doing it as well. 
You know, they weren't at it. And probably Hurahan more so than McGinn. But when Whelan come on, he changed the game. And that's why he got my match ball. But I think you have to look at that whole team and how they stepped up. And Tyron Mings is a great example of that. Never, never say die. Never say die. And that's brilliant. A lot of a lot has been made of the uh, character of the team. And uh, I think they showed a lot of it, a huge amount of it. And I'd be really proud of that. I wouldn't be proud of necessarily conceding free, but managing to step up and salvage a point out of that. That whole team should be proud of that. Not necessarily conceding free, but stepping up and saving something. Magical, yeah, just, almost. Just, yeah, just for it being a good moment. Just for it being good news, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it is I, good news. I was ecstatic when I saw it. I was just surprised. I was just like, wow, okay then. You know? I <laughs> I, I actually I actually was so mad and so angry <laughs> when Villa were three 0 down. I went I went and watched um I went to go and watch some music, right? Like some live music. I just walked into a bar on my own, um, paid a five a ticket kind of thing, and then like thirty minutes into it, I just see my phone blowing up with tweets of people just kind of being like, um, whoa, uh, like you know, just like smiley faces and stuff. Just yeah. you know, tar- sarcastic ones. A couple from you as well, James. And walk <laughs> no, outside, I'm and I'm and I'm digging you. Right. <laughs> oh, it's alright. I deserve to be. I deserve to be dug dug out there. And I just walked outside, and I just fist bumped <laughs> and shouted really loud in the air when I saw Anwar Al Ghazi's uh, face on a gif. Villa <laughs> having just equalised. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I'm really happy. I think we take it. A lot of bit people have been digging out Villa over the weekend. Tammy Abraham's tweeted, "If you you know if you left early, you missed the comeback with a kiss emoji," and people were like, "You would have left at three 0 And there's a lot of people trying to justify why they left. And I don't care, man. If you left, you left. That's you. That's you. That's you. And that's your business. And you don't need to justify. I don't think anyone needs to justify it. But a lot of people are going to great lengths to justify why they weren't there. And I think it's fair. You don't have to justify it if your team is three 0 down, right? And they've shown you nothing. And let's be honest, Villa showed us nothing. They yeah. did show nothing up until the last 10 minutes. You're, you're perfectly justified to get out there. Mr. Traffic, whatever. You know, that's it. Mr. Traffic, get home. Get home safe. You yeah, know, get, a lot of get out. coming all over. Yeah. Yeah, man. Different directions. So get home. If you feel it, you don't need to justify it. You don't need to come out on Twitter and say, oh, this is why we're home. It's, it's a part and parcel of football, isn't it? Leaving early. But I would question why are you spending that much money on watching Bloody Villa if you don't like it? Oh, I, if I'm at a game, I never, I never leave early. But I can understand why you would. Yeah, I think that's I think it. I get those feelings. I get those feelings. So we've got two games to preview because we've got the midweek one and the West Brom mm-hmm. one. So we'll fly through those. But first, mate, it looks like Jack Grealish could be in line for a a role in one of these games. Probably more so the backies one on the weekend, mm-hmm. if uh, if at all. So if if he comes back, who loses out in that midfield? Whoever the defensive midfielder is. Yeah, and you've got to push Horahan back. You yeah, reckon? pretty much, yeah. I'd say it's pretty yeah. simple for me in that sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a simple question, actually, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I thought, I thought he was losing out, yeah, whoever. I, whoever that, that's that, what the... was working. That's what was working before. So Yeah, uh, whoever, uh, whoever's um, there. I, I think they might even start wheeling over Horahan. I, I mean, yeah, that's the, that's the other option, isn't it? You could, you could look Tom at Tom Carroll? Say, look, I mean, Carroll hasn't even had any games yet, has he? Maybe midweek. He played he 10 minutes. Yeah, he played 10 minutes against uh, Reading. So <laughs> he hasn't had a great deal of action. He didn't, wasn't on the bench at all against Sheffield United due to illness. So let's see if he uh, he might be in a role for one of these games. But I don't know. I really don't know what to make of that signing still. I think he'll be all right. 
Hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, come in. Someone will lose out, but yeah. It still was, you know, when you look at how everything panned out, he still probably was perhaps more of a backup option than perhaps something that we needed. So I don't see him necessarily improving the first 11, but we'll we'll see. So on to midweek, Villa actually go back to London. Well, Dean Smith goes back to London and they verse Brentford, a team which has been doing really, really well in spots since Dean Smith left. They, they went, had a bit of a bad run for a while, but it looks under Thomas Frank that it's all, all fine, but they won't probably end their season with any any notion of success because they're still languishing in those those you know lower mid-table places. That doesn't mean they haven't been doing well. And I think they've been doing really well under Thomas Frank after Dean Smith left to, of course, join Villa. It's going to be a tough one for Dean Smith, I think. Oh, I think it will. I think it will. I, I wonder if the occasion might get the better of him, especially since this is a Brentford team that he has, he's built himself almost. Uh, and, and they're a Brentford side who's scoring goals for fun at the moment. Absolutely scoring goals for fun. I mean, you look at their last sort of six or seven games, I think all bar the last Nottingham Forest game, they've scored more than two goals every game. And that's worrying when you look at Villa's defensive record. And but What's, what's uh, worrying for me, mate, is that this Brentford side that we're going to play look more complete. Like They look like they've got more of a defensive backbone than they did when Dean Smith was managing them. They, also, they were always quite attack heavy and they've lost mm. their best central defender. I think Chris Miffham moved to Bournemouth and they they look even better without him. It's crazy. Got, and I think I'm, I'm pretty scared. Or is it Dolesgaard and Sorensen? Yeah. And I think they've got Barbet. They've got a lot of options they can choose to kind of deploy it across a back four, back three. Their defence looks solid. Their attack looks solid. They look like they're riding a high wave and they're moving forward again after kind of losing the manager that they thought we might, might have taken them to the end of the season and maybe the playoffs. So they've had a roller coaster season, but they've been performing really well. And Brentford have always had, they've had us on the plate for the last few seasons. Especially when we visit their place, mate. Oh, it's because they're a positive side. And I think if you if you go to Villa and you attack them, I mean... It's that the world's your oyster, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, Villa are the sort of team where if you if you if you start getting scared of them because they're Aston Villa because they're a big name, and that's one thing. But if you know Brentford, they they are always that sort of like plucky underdog side, aren't they? And they 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 always manage to do well against some of the bigger teams in the Championship. I think. Um, I mean, that's with with all due respect, by the way, uh, to them, they've done fantastically to get to where they are, and I'm sure they're going to continue because they have got such a such a fantastic young squad. I could almost see them going up to the Premier League and and, and and doing a Bournemouth in a couple of years' time. But a lot of that is testament to, to Dean Smith. You know, he he did manage to build a very strong team there and he did manage to str- build a very strong attack. Not only that, but uh, he, he, he turned them into a team where they were not necessarily reliant on the same people. You know, if players left, they were they were able to replace them. They were able to bring in other players. Um, and, and he's shown himself, actually, in, in, in a weird sort of way that with him leaving, somebody else who's been in the coaching setup is able to step into his place or into his space and uh, let things continue the way they were. Uh, and I think when we look at Brentford, you look at what you'd like Dean Smith to do at Villa, but on a higher level. Uh, so I, I think Bournemouth, I, mean, I think Brentford being a strong team, I think it's, it's it's only something we can look at positively. I think it will be a fun game. Yeah, I think 
Aston Villa under Smith, I think next year, maybe the season after, will be a lot more focused on the attack. Um, Brentford look a bit more complete under Thomas Frank. We'll probably end up pinching Thomas Frank if this doesn't work out well in the next few seasons. But I've got I've got faith in us. I just think it's going to be a rough season and that doesn't that doesn't end necessarily on Wednesday because I really do think we're going to be in for a tough time at Brentford. I really do think that because it always ha- you know there's a narrative at play here now not one that we necessarily wanted but it's a fact that we've come in as a quote unquote big club pinched the quote unquote small clubs manager and they've not really been rocked that hard by it and we yeah. have have had a patchy season they'll be out to get smith they'll be out to get smith um i think you're right it's going to be a very tough game in brentford scoring a lot of goals at the moment i'm hoping we're back to scoring ways but let's be honest all the goals that we did score against Sheffield United were 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 scrappy, very scrappy. <laughs> um, let's just hope we we manage to find that same scrappiness against Brentford on Wednesday. I think it's going to yeah, be. I, I I think I think I think it's going to be tough for me to predict much more than a defeat here. Genuinely, I don't know about you. Yeah, I, think, I honestly think it might be a defeat, but I think a 1-1 draw is a more realistic result. I think it's easy to look at the challenge, but I think Villa probably have it in them to steal another draw. Yeah, I'll go with a 1-1 draw. Going I'll for go the same that. one, are we? We're going we're gonna to agree on this one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I think you're right. Let's be realistic rather than pessimistic. I think it's, uh, it's uh, more po- better to look at the positives. Uh, rather than predicting a, predicting a defeat, I don't want to really get into the business of predicting defeats. But Villa have a tough match after the Brentford because West Brom comes to town on Saturday. Um, so they're visiting Villa Park. It's uh, it's not on Sky Sports, so it's a 3pm kickoff. It's a derby game. West Brom have kind of been on the up and up. They're not re- they're not going to finish top two. They're going to probably secure a playoff place. Um, probably fourth or fifth place looks set for them, set in stone almost. So Darren Moore's been doing doing really well up there. I think they've had a few grumbles, but they, they've been probably done better than they expected. They come down under a cloud last season. I think uh, Darren managed to make it look a bit brighter towards the end. They look, almost look like they may have stayed up. But uh, things look a bit more positive for West Brom. They lost Harvey Barnes, but they're still West Brom and they've been playing decently all season. What do you make of this one? Yeah, no, they they they've looked good recently. They've looked good recently, and their their defense looks even even more solid with the addition of uh, of uh, of Mason Holgate as well. Uh, so I mean, that's one of the one of the big things that's added to it. That defense is strong, man. They are strong, um, and and I think like that's that's the one thing that I will sort of worry about. Where will the goals come from? I really hope that Jack Grealish makes a makes a difference in that game, and I think he might well be the big difference in it. Um, Dwight Gale as well and Jay Rodriguez that attack is just so poignant they've been banging them in and they've been so consistent this is what Villa have, have been missing whilst Villa have been reliant like they have been incredibly reliant on Tammy Abraham all season unlike sort of last season where we were sort of um, where, where we had Lewis Graben and Albert Adoma chipping in with goals from everywhere you look at West Brom and they've got they've got goals coming in from from so many different directions. Matt Phillips as well has been um, has been has been chipping in as well. I just think they're a very strong side uh, and and they they're they're an improved side since January as well. Uh, and I think we should be worried about it. But look, it's a derby game and it's always tough. Uh, we should have got the better of them in the in the uh, in, in the first fixture of the season. We all know what happened uh, at the end of it 
Um, yeah. Villa basically uh, robbed of a couple of, of three points at the, at the end uh, due to a handball. Uh, but yeah, man, like Gareth Barry as well. <laughs> always a bit of a factor. <laughs> always plays well against us. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough one, and I think I think I think Jack Grealish could be the the telling factor at the end of it. Your fingers crossed he's back and ready. I don't know if he'll jump straight into the first team. Hopefully he's on the on the bench for at least one of these two games. I really hope so because we do miss him. And he'll be a massive factor against West Brom. And West Brom team are pretty dangerous in the tackle. They're very much a mirror of Villa. They're kind of... They haven't had as much bad luck as us, I don't think, in terms of maybe officiating, definitely. They, they've definitely benefited because of bad officiating. Oh, we can't go into that. That's a bit, yeah. No, we're not going to go into that. We got away with one. We got away with one against Reading, I think. But they they have benefited, and I don't think they've had our bad luck. Um they're pretty much a mirror, and I think we'd have probably been around those positions if we'd uh, been a bit more consistent. Very similar teams, very similar playing styles, and uh, again, it's another draw. It's, got, I can't look past the draw. The, the other thing with West Brom is they have a massive squad. Every single position, anybody anybody gets hurt, they've got somebody to step in. When you look down that you look down that squad list, it's 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 massive. Like, I mean, you, you think of some of the players that you don't even think are actually there, like Wes Houlihan. Yeah. You forget about the James Morrisons, the Hell Robson Carnus that you know that they've got they've got players in there ready to step in when 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 things aren't going well. I mean they've strengthened their midfield as well with Stefan Johansson. And I think that's the thing with West Brom. They really are a solid side like that. You know, they they really are built for the scrap of the championship. They really are. Uh and that that's why they're such a strong shout for promotion. Having said that, they're not necessarily uh the I don't know. They're not necessarily the most convincing side either. Uh, you know, I'd say that I'd say that Norwich, Leeds, Sheffield United have all looked a little bit better than them. And to be fair, I know they've had Brighton to play in the in the cup, um, in the FA Cup, but they they've looked a little bit rocky, um, this this last month or so. They they haven't looked like they're finding it easy to score goals as of late. Um, even if that does include a Premier League side in those fixtures. Um, the 1-0 win over Stoke, fairly unconvincing, you'd say. Uh, they lost to Middlesbrough as well in the Championship before that. So I think I think West Brom will be coming into this game perhaps not as well prepared as they would have liked to have been. Wicked. Well, I'm going to go for another 1-1 prediction. Boring, I know. Um, to end the podcast, what is your prediction, mate? I'm going to all the, the draws between Villa and West Brom continue. Yeah, it's not going to stop, is it? It's going to it's the battle that rages on unless they go up the season via the playoffs. But yeah, man, thank you for joining me. Uh, I hope you've all enjoyed listening. A bit of a fast one today. We're a bit pressed for time, but we'll be back after the West Bromwich Albion game versus Villa on Saturday. But we'll be airing on Sunday, so yeah, we'll see you then. And uh, up the Villa, goodbye.